for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Hey, hey, we're back. What's up, everybody? WFO, Joe Costello here, and another week. We're into the winter break now, baby. The winter break, but all you NHRA drag racing fans and drag racing fans in general, have no fear. We are going to continue the conversation right through this uh, prolonged exercise that will be the winter break. NHRA's Alan Reinhardt will be here momentarily. We'll discuss the the news. Maybe he's got some. Maybe I've got some. But we'll have a conversation. It'll be open to the audience. You can ask questions and comment and take us in any direction uh, we want to go. And it will be a whole lot of fun. Big week on WFO as we are getting into our championship interviews and we spoke with Matt Hagen a few weeks ago. Really great stuff. This week, in fact, tomorrow at a special time, Wednesday, special time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Got that? 6.30 p.m. And you might be like, why on earth 6.30 p.m., 3.30 Pacific? Why? And the answer is that's when Jody Lang gets off work. And Jody is going to be on the show. And I'm super excited about this because everyone has told me that Jody is like man of few words. But... When we talked about this, like, hey, dude, you want to come on? He's like, yeah. And he sent me a bunch of pictures of his early rides and how he got involved in the drag racing. And just uh, I think it's a little bit different when you are the champion of the world in the Lucas Oil Series. So Jody Lang, 630 Wednesday, mark it down. Of course, you follow all the WFO Radio social and you'll never miss anything, especially going to WFORadio.com. It's all there. And then on Thursday, 4 p.m., the queen of drag racing. Erica Enders, the four-time Pro Stock World Champion in her championship interview, back-to-back Pro Stock World Championships for the second time in her career. Erica going to be on the show, and it's going to be great judging by the last time Erica was on the the show. We had blowout numbers. It was fantastic. Erica going to be on on Thursday, 4 p.m. That is what is scheduled right now, so you will not miss that. And Friday happy hour, uh, we're working on it. Let's put it that way. You know, these happy hours don't just happen. There's a lot of logistics that go into this. And so we'll tell you about that, and that's why you got to follow all the feeds. Now, before we bring on Alan, I do want to mention our great sponsors, the people who genuinely make it all possible. Folks like Total Seal Piston Rings, Lake Speed Jr., and Keith Jones, and Matt Hartford, and everybody that worked in their tails off over there to make sure everybody has rings. I've learned so much about ring seal and profilometers and just uh, torque plates and all these important things when it comes to ring seal. Bottom line, you can spend all the money you want on go-fast parts. If you don't have ring seal, it's going to not get the max value out of it. So go to TotalSeal.com, check out their brand-new website, and uh, whatever the engine is, TotalSeal.com. They fit the rings. And samtech.edu, and these two are connected in that Judson Massengill, who started samtech.edu, is our most recent guest on the Total Seal podcast called Hidden Horsepower. And he reveals all these great stories, but also gripes and thoughts about who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong and what they're doing uh, that, he, that he doesn't like and things that he does like and what he wants his students to, to know. And a very illuminating interview, especially if you're thinking about going to samtech.edu. I think it'll drive it home. The next generation of engine builders and machinists and EFI tuners all go in there. Uh, Houston area, go to the website, samtech.edu, and tell them you heard about it on WFO Radio. Really great stuff. Also, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, the Dragster Adventure, set up for next year, the November one we were talking about. Obviously, it's just a couple of days away. They had to cancel that one. But to me, it's, the, it's a gift. This is a gift. 
not thinking about yourself. Of course, if you want, if you want to get yourself a gift at the holiday season, I get it. I'm doing that thing for myself too. Like, oh, this will be my Christmas gift again. Course is start at three hundred ninety nine dollars. You're driving dragsters. You're having a great day with Frank. It's awesome. They travel around the country, so if you've got a friend in a far off distant location, there's a good chance that Frank is going near them. You buy him a certificate, and then they figure out where they're going to go. It's going to be great. And finally, Marvin Rodak and RodaksCoffeeandGrills.com. This is what I do for so many of my good friends. They get a holiday pack. They get a bag of coffee. They get a bottle of my favorite, the Habanero Endorphin Booster Spice uh, Sauce, hot sauce. It's incredible. Look at that. Look at all that amazing goodness in there. And they get some spice rub. Look at me using props on the show. I'm like a prop comic now. Bottom line, order it up for your friends and they will like it and appreciate it and enjoy it on days beyond Christmas morning. That's what makes it cool. 817-924-6821. That's RodaxCoffeeAndGrills.com plus Nitro Fish Racing. They got the promo code WFO20 for all your T-shirts and gear. It is great. And a little bit later on in the show, I'll tell you how to get a WFO Radio face covering for just $10. Man, I think that's really a great gift for everybody out there. But let's, uh, let's check in. Look at that. That is the Alan Reinhardt. And here he is. He's now coming in. We've got <laughs> He's getting ready. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of the NHRA making a dramatic entrance on the show. I couldn't have timed that out better. That was cool. It's like there's the Mustang and there's Alan. Alan Reinhardt, what's up, Alan? How are you? Yeah, that wasn't the plan. The uh, battery for the rickshaw just showed up, so I had to sign for it. Well, I thought it, it was had great. The rickshaw yesterday and, and got it running and getting ready to uh, hopefully part with it. But uh, it, uh, it needs a new electrical storage unit, so that just showed up. To hold the electricity inside there, like a box of some sort. Yes, an electrical storage unit. I, I got it. I got it. You know, we were, uh, before we got on the air, like, where's the rickshaw, Alan? And he's like, oh, it's outside. He's getting getting running. And it's like, I know, we've got open space in there. What are you going to do with all that space, Alan? But you got me excited that maybe someone in the WFO universe out there decided to pony up the cash and get this one-of-a-kind hot rod magazine vehicle. And uh, I'm hoping that's the case. Like, that's my New Year's resolution to move this rickshaw for you prior to New Year's. You know, Florida would be a good place to have a rickshaw. Yeah, it really would. You could drive it most of the year. Um, I can promise you, and I was reaffirmed of this yesterday when I took the thing, you know, down the street and back. Everybody stares at it when it goes by. (laughs) And you could be the center of attention. It would actually fit you considerably better than it would fit me because it's more of a Joe-sized car than a I mean, giant-sized car. Sure. And uh, it could be yours. could be yours. I would not recommend flying out here and driving it home, however. Yes. Uh, it doesn't have a very big gas tank, and I'm not sure that there's stations close enough together to get you where you need to be. But, you know, for this is where we insert potential sponsor mention right here, but since we don't have one, we'll mention eCar Mover because we like them and they support uh, drag racing, and they've been so great uh, with Alan Prezinski and all to get it out here. Uh, I, I like it. You know what? It will definitely be considered. Here's the thing. I don't have a place to store it. I've already got a 78 Trans Am that I love and don't do anything with. I got more cars than we can keep running. Speaking of electrical storage units, my dad's GTO needs one. Like, Where am I going to put a rickshaw, Alan? Well, the beauty of it is it's not very big, and you could damn near hang it up on the wall if you want to. See, now you're talking. Like, maybe it just goes in the living room as a uh, piece of, uh, 
you know, something to talk about, like a conversation piece. I know a guy, I know a guy that's got a 62, I think 62, uh, Chevy Z11 427 four-speed car in his living room that uh, makes a hell of a conversation piece. Now, the difference between his and mine, his has got aluminum fenders, and it's like, you know, don't touch, be careful. Mine basically could be a picnic table. You know, the rear deck on the thing is just this giant, whatever it is, five-foot square uh, you could use it, you know, for a buffet table or for a picnic or, you know, it'd be really handy on the, on Thanksgiving when you set all the food out and have everybody go get their own social distance. Um, it, I think it'd be perfect. So this guy with uh, the car in his living room, uh, that that sounds really cool. But is it on a, a rotator? Does it rotate? No. Oh, well, then it stinks. Boo. If you're going to have a car in your living room, man, you got to have it on a big elevated rotator like on the auto shows. Otherwise, it's just nothing. I like yours better, Alan. So people are checking in already, saying what's up on Facebook. Everybody's saying hi. Jeff Shockey saying hi. Jeff says he's got the desire to get his pro stock license. He has revealed to me an instant messenger, which I think is great. I uh, uh, I want to encourage as many people to pursue their dreams as possible. Kev is over there on the other side of the pond, wants to know the news on the rumor mill. We'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, Monica saying that Erica rocks. Yes, she does. Four-time champ, definitely. Check out that WFO Radio 10th anniversary T-shirt. I got mine. You can get yours at nitrofishracing.com. Sam is out there. Hey, Joe, 13-year-old wants to go to Samtech. There we go. Uh, A young future crew chief, perhaps. A young future uh, Michael Heiner, perhaps, who is out there. Michael Heiner uh, saying what's up. Now, one thing that we were not on last week, we should address. It was rumor mill, and now it is fact. The Harley-Davidson leaving Vance and Hines. Uh, That was like a story that was moving while we were on the air, and it has now been confirmed by Drew. I'm sure you've had some conversations as well. And it puts us back in that spot, Alan, where we either, you know, lament what's happening or look back at what happened and appreciate it. Well, let me ask you this. If Harley Davidson came to you and said, we want to do a full-fill deal, starting from scratch, Full factory support, and in 20 years, it's going to be over. Are you taking it or not? Taking it. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that's, that's what you look at. You know, times change. Things change. You know, we everybody understands that, you know, the times we're living in right now, people are, you know, not spending a ton of money on, on various stuff. You're not I, – I get it. No, I don't know. At this particular point in time, I don't particularly need a new car. But, uh, you know, if I did, I think I'd be going – I don't know what the future holds. You know, I, I honestly don't know what my employment is going to be next year. I don't know how many races we're going to run. I don't know. And so that's the kind of thing that uh, I think gives a lot of people pause. And especially when you're looking at things like, like motorcycles, you know, for most people, uh, the Harley is not a necessity. It's uh, it's something that you just want. It's a, it's a desire. And, you know, so if you look at the motorcycle market right now, it's pretty soft out there. There's a lot of stuff. You know, will they come back someday? I sure hope so. Um, but, you know, for the, I, I love, you know, the, the classic internet, the internet experts. That's it. Vance and Hines is done. Yes, they're done. Vance and Hines. Close the, close the garage. <laughs> isn't, isn't Vance and Hines a $30 million a year business? Not counting? Yeah. Racing yeah. In, in the NHRA? I mean, it, Vance and Hines ain't going anywhere. Um What's going to happen to the racing program? I have no idea. I would be surprised if they're not out there in some capacity. I mean, keep in mind, they are still building engines for all the Suzuki's. Uh, they've got a tremendous shop. They've got all the people. They've got all the personnel, all the technology. I would be very surprised if they're not 
still racing with NHRA in some capacity. I just don't know what that's going to be. And, you know, it was a hell of a run. Um, I, I hate that at least it's over for now. But, you know, who knows going forward if, uh, if something may, you know, maybe it comes back at some point when we get through all of this mess that we're through right now. Yeah, and it's um, you know they're still licensed to use the bikes and and all of that, which is important. And last week was tough, as you know. Whenever news drops, it's like, what's the news? This the news? Are we? They're finding out the news, and then you kind of circle the wagons and formulate a plan. And I think that formulate a plan portion of it is going to um, happen soon. We're very sad, though, on the social, seeing guys like Mike Mullaney, who has been so great, like the ultimate um, follow-the-dream story. Like, knew the guys from Englishtown and moved out there and learned to weld and fabricate and goes on and wins races and world championships and literally lives a dream, met his wife, had a kid, and, you know, now what's he going to do? And, and you know, he's sharing that on social, obviously, and that's how I know, but... Just like you said, would you go back and not go through that tremendous experience just because it was going to come to an end? Absolutely not. Eyes forward, keep marching, good things will happen, and you know maybe Harley will come back, or maybe another company will want to take that spot and go forward. We just don't know, but we'll see. And they got parts, and they know how to make them go fast, so we shall see. Well, wasn't it Garth Brooks that said I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance? Um, you know, I'm all about the dance. And when this dance is over, let's go figure out where the next dance is going to be. I also think, you know, I don't know if you saw Terry McMillan uh, put a post up yesterday or day before. Uh, said, hey, the team is still together. We're still in the shop working. We're looking for a new partner to go racing with in, in 21 and beyond. And if Emily gets in a position to come back, I'm sure they will. You know, as I said, when that whole thing happened, not once. And I met everybody all the way up to the president and CEO of Emily. Not once did I ever hear anybody go, you know, I'm just not sure we're getting our money's worth out of Terry. Right. Um, you know, they loved him. They loved what he did. They loved his program. They loved being involved with him. But they had to make some difficult financial decisions. I think if the financial picture changes, that they'd be back. In the meantime, Terry knows he's got a good team. He knows he's got a team that's capable of winning races and competing with the top teams in the sport. And so he wants to keep that team together. He's looking for somebody to go forward with. And, you know, I applaud that effort. You know, at this point, it's money coming out of his own pocket to keep those people there because he doesn't want to lose. But, uh, you know, he's invested in himself and believes that they can put something together, and I sure hope they can. It's, uh, it's a more fun trail with this car as a part of it. Absolutely. As many as is possible. And uh, on that post, and I, I think I shared that onto our WFO Radio Facebook page where so many of you are watching right now, there was a question that I had, and maybe you noticed, like the Army car body panel on top of the, uh, like, what's... Uh, What's up with that? Is that something you you purchase, uh, you know, secondhand and then rewrap, or what? What do you think was going on there? What's up with that? Well, I know that they have worked pretty closely with DSR, and, and at times in the past they've had DSR chassis and, and also utilized some of their technology. I don't know. I didn't call Rob and ask him. You know, he's too busy. He's busy when they're working. And if I've got, you know, I I kind of like the fact that pretty much everybody in the industry will take my phone calls. And I think a big part of that is because I don't bug them. If I have something that I need, I call. If I have something to share, I call. But I don't just bug them every 10 minutes. And, and you know, I looked at that and went, hmm, that's interesting. You know, whether it's... We just lost you. We just lost you. It just went away. One moment, please. 
and Alan will figure out his deal. And one, did you all hear that though? It was crazy. And uh, we all know Wendland's too busy because he's putting uh, produce in a supercharger. I'm going to kick you out, Alan. I'm going to kick you out and then send you back. Boop. Look at that. There he goes. You got to make that noise otherwise. Yeah, Rob Wendland as his new uh, in his new TikTok venture, which uh, I don't recommend you going on there based on the 60 Minutes story that just came out the other day. But he's, they are putting produce in a supercharger. And grinding it up. That's what they're doing to achieve stardom and fame. Uh, now, while we're waiting for Alan to reconnect, his audio just went from great to gone. And that is that. I wonder if his Bluetooth earbuds need charging. But let's see what Derek says. One of our patrons out there. Uh, maybe big guy in a little car is what they were looking at. Very possible. The rickshaw. Like if I had space, I live in like a suburban area. I don't have space. That would be my YouTube car. I'd be doing wheelies with it. I would be getting millions of followers instead of our sad YouTube channel. Jerron, I'll paint it for you, Joe. Is that an offer for a gratis paint job from the Flying Airbrush? Because I'll take it, man. I'll find something for you to paint. I'll get, I'll get something. I'll find something. Jerron has been painting helmets, and they have been amazing. And I've shared a couple on the uh, the Facebook page. All right, let's see. He's back. He's back. Okay, how do we get out? Yeah. Apparently, I'm too stupid to work my phone. When I do this, I put it on Do Not Disturb. Right. But then somebody calls in, and when they call in, it shuts you off to tell me in my earpieces that I have an incoming call, that my caller ID says it's spam anyway. So anyway, apparently I'm not smart enough to work my phone. I thought do not disturb means leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm busy with Joe. But apparently the phone didn't see it that way. So anyway. Well, I don't know how to do that either. No, you don't ever do it again, but it's fine. And uh, honestly, do not disturb. I, I don't figure I haven't figured it out either. So all the Derek Green, this guy claims to be an Apple expert. And you're not Apple, though. You're Android. But at very least, guy. you don't have to help Alan. But help me. What's up with do not disturb? Why doesn't it ever really work? Simple as that. OK, Mark has a question for both of us. Here's a good question for both of you. Well, we'll determine whether it's a good question or not, Mark. Uh, what got you interested in drag racing? What was it that sealed the deal and made you both fans of the sport? And I want to commend Mark on this question because on a day where it's like kind of light with the news, I like these things. I had a couple things I wanted to ask Alan and put out there, but this is good. Way to take the initiative, Mark. All right, Alan, what was it that hooked you? Funny cars. Funny cars. I like yeah, it. it was uh, early 70s, mid-70s. Um, you know, I, I grew up in southern Arizona. And, you know, Tucson is basically the middle of the desert. From my house, I could be about a five-minute walk to a big, wide-open space where we used to go ride mini bikes and go-karts and then dirt bikes when we got a little bit older. But, uh, you know, in, where I lived, if you were 12, 13, 14 years old, if you didn't have a dirt bike, you didn't have any friends. I mean, everybody had it. And that's what we did after school and on weekends. There was a motocross track out on the edge of town where we used to go watch the old guys. I mean, the real old guys, you know, like 19, 20, maybe 25, uh, would go out and compete. And it was adjacent to the old Tucson dragway. And we were out there one time watching, you know, the, the motocross races, they were running funny cars at the drag strip and it was close enough that you could hear them. And if you'd stand way up in the top of the, now, I mean, these were ginormous grandstands. Okay. Picture like Chicago. Okay, they were probably five rows high, but, it, you know, I was a kid. They seemed like they were huge. Well, don't they? And when you climb up, you, you get up in the top of them and you climb up on the rails and you're doing this, and you could kind of sort of see the cars over there on the drag strip. They were literally that close. I mean, they were, you know, land neighbors. So me and a couple of friends went 
let's go check it out. And went over and you know, jumped the barbed wire fence and went over and saw funny cars. And the first time I'd ever seen funny cars. And it was like, wow. And so at that point, you know, the ads were all over the radio around here. And at that point, the next time they were talking about, you know, well, something's going to happen at Tucson Drag, it was Tucson Dragways this Saturday night. It's like, hey, Dad, can you take us to the drags? And so instead of going to the motocross races, we went to the drag races. Like, wow, this is really cool. And uh, that's that's kind of what set the hook for me. And I was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Something. And that was the old Tucson Dragway, correct? Correct. Not the one that is now. It's It was in a different location. Right. They're only about five miles apart. But okay. uh, we actually, when uh, when Amanda Busick was in town, whatever it's been now, five or six years ago, uh, we went out to the old Tucson Dragway. There's still a footprint over there. There's enough of it that you could recognize. And uh, shot a little video of the place. And, you know, she... Um, they dug up some historic photos and put together. It's a nice little video package, and I'm sure you could find it somewhere on NHRA.com, but if somebody wants to just shoot me an email, and I'll uh, send you the link. Announcer at NHRA.com, and I'll send you the link to it. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what got me hooked, and as soon as I turned 16, I decided that I'm going to be a racer. I'd actually decided that long before I had uh, – in the group that I grew up with, I was really the youngest one. You know, most of the guys were a couple of years older than me or some, some even three or four. And so they were going to the races a long time before I had a license. Back then, there was no junior league. You know, if you didn't have a driver's license, you didn't get to race. So I was familiar with the procedures and what happened out there. And, uh, a couple of days after I turned 16 and got my driver's license, I was headed out there, man. And I, I'm telling you, my mom's 1970 four-door LTD with a 351 and a two-barrel. Awesome. Get out of the way. I'm a freaking drag racer now. And the first night I went out there, I was runner-up in the trophy class, which you get a trophy. And so I've got a trophy that I'm really proud of. I got my mom's car, which I wasn't supposed to be going to the drag strip with. It's got shoe polish all over the windows. So I washed the car on the way home and did the trophy in the shed before I went in the house and uh, didn't tell my mom about it for a long time. That's that's a great story. I wonder... You know, but but you, you you mentioned a couple of things that are very different now, and this is the struggle for relevance uh, in the modern world. Like if you were a kid and you didn't have a dirt bike, you didn't have any friends. And that makes sense because what else were you going to do? Uh, you did not have Fortnite on PlayStation to be addicted to, and you didn't have these things. And really the TV was kind of junky too. There were only a few channels in the shows, like Days of Our Lives, not interesting to a young person, right? Like even the animated stuff, like Disney, it was just, uh, you know, there was no violence or anything to enjoy. And so you got out there in the world, like can imagine what it was like growing up for you uh, out there in the desert. There was that movie, I forget what it was, but the guy had his GTO. Mike was called My Science Project, right? And I think that's an Arizona thing. And I think that Pima Air uh, Junkyard was the Air Museum, right? And I remember that's, watching that was two different things. The, the Pima Air Museum is a world-renowned museum for airplanes and for flight and I've for been that there. kind of thing. I've been there. Saw the JFK. Uh... The, the Boneyard is a completely different thing. Okay. The Boneyard is part of Davis Moffin Air Force Base where they have a lot of planes and mothballs that, in theory, could be made flight-ready again if needed. So they're they're literally across the street from each other. As a matter of fact, if you've got a plane that's going to the Team Air Museum, it will land at Davis-Monton, and then they will tow it across the street over to the Team Air Museum. 
So when I imagine Boneyard and the Museum are two different things. When I imagine growing up in that uh, desert setting, I think of that movie, like those teens, you know, cars and out in the desert and all that stuff. It must have been so, so cool to have a place that was your place to go here in South Florida. And uh, this gentleman referenced it. Everybody knows. uh, I guess he's the same as me. Miami Hollywood Speedway Park. Me and Daryl Gwynn and many others. You know, Jungle Jim would be there. It was vacation town for a lot of the touring funny car places, uh, racers, they would come down here and they would do booked-in shows. And in the 70s, you know, in 1978, I'm five years old. Well, that's when my dad starts bringing me to the track and watching this craziness and had a big, massive grandstand. And it was kind of a future uh, stadium-style track with these giant, they took those concrete highway tees, you know, that you see on the overpasses, prefab tees and they made a grandstand out of them by just kind of stacking them up like steps and the thing was huge and a big concrete tower it was uh, three stories tall it was a really modern track for 1967 when they built it and the shows that they had were amazing and my dad and I and my mom sometimes too would go out to the track and just drag racing was 20 minutes away it was very close. So to go see a Saturday show, you know, Saturday night under the lights, Miami Hollywood Speedway Park, funny cars, we would go out there. So two things that are in common on our stories that maybe don't happen right now, and we should explore that. Radio advertising, like local weekly radio advertising, hooked in Allen, hooked in Joe. Didn't know from it. What is it? You hear this advertising, it sets a, a thing, and then you, you fulfill it. People don't really do that anymore. Uh, the local tracks that I know, uh, certainly in my area, don't even bother. Like radio advertising, why, you know, word of mouth only. Why would we spend? But that and seeing, honestly, the just being there with my dad, seeing all the cars, and when the sportsman cars, of course, jet cars and funny cars were incredible. Uh, Slamming Sammy Miller's rocket car. Like, I saw everybody come through. Like, everybody went through Miami Hollywood. Everybody. But seeing ramp trucks run 19 seconds in Sportsman and saying, like, what, what, Dad, why, what? Those aren't race cars, though. No, but they can race those, too. And you bring your race car, why not run the ramp truck and try to win a little extra money? Like, that made me want to do it. And so when I was 15 years old, I got my parental uh, permission slip and ran my dad's truck went 19.11 seconds. It felt like warp speed in Star Wars. Went, <laughs> the stars. You, would out, you would outrun me. Really? Okay, good. Yeah, but 19.6 was the first dial in I ever put on a window. My mom's, uh, my uh, mom's 2 to 351 LTD. 19.6. That's incredible. And then they had a high school points system, and as soon as I could get in that, me and my great friend Dave Hoxie went in that, and I won that uh, trophy over there for being track champion and beating him, Dave. That's right. I still got that on you. But um, And here we are. We're both still hooked in by this crazy sport that is drag racing, and there's more out there, too. Everybody's got a story. So there you go, sir. There's the answer to your question. I missed the track championship one year by one round, and I was so mad. Tucson used to do is they didn't do a lot of handicap racing because back then it was a it was a whole lot more to it as far as in the tower goes, and so they had like a 13 second bracket and a 1350 and a 14 and a 15 and 16 and you just had to put your car on one of the numbers, and the deal was you had to have four cars to have a bracket. If you only had three cars, if there was only three cars that were under 14-0, well you either had to go 1350 or you had to go 15-0. That was just the way it was. And I had my 70 Roadrunner at the time, and this would have been 1979 or 80, I guess. 
Uh, it had a 440 in it, had nitrous on it. And that was nitrous was voodoo. Let me tell you back then, it's like, if you had a nitrous bottle, it's like, Oh, he's cheating. He's I mean, it was voodoo. Uh, but there were a couple of big nitrous companies here in town. And I had some friends in Newson. I wasn't scared. Like, what do I care? If push a button goes faster. Give me another button. Um, <laughs> so what I used to do was I would work on Saturdays at a local company here in town. And at noon on Saturday, I would lunchtime, I'd bring my car into the shop, take the mufflers off it, and put the slicks on. And so when I would clock out at 530, I'd jump in the car, drive it to the drag strip. They used to run time trials up until 530, and then they'd take a timeout from 530 to 6, and at 6 o'clock, they started elimination. Well, it was a weekly ritual, and they knew I was coming. It was every week. And so I would get there. I just had to be there by 6. And I would get there, and then when it was time to start elimination, I was the first car down the track. They would let me go down, make one time run, and then I had to drive up and get right back in line for whatever bracket I was going to run. And on a typical Saturday night, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure there was 150 cars there. There might not have been that many. But there was, you know, some of the bigger brackets might have eight or ten cars in them. And there were oftentimes that there was only three or four cars in a bracket. Well, you had to have four. So I get there on this one particular Saturday night. I'm chasing a guy named Tony Borzen for the championship. And he wasn't there that night. I don't remember what the deal was. He was getting married or his mom was getting married or something was happening. I don't remember. He wasn't there. And so all I have to do is make the finals to tie, win the race to beat him. And I don't even know what the tiebreaker would have been. But so I get out there. And as soon as I pull up in a staging lane, these three guys all come over and go, woof, we need you to run with us. And I said, okay. They said, well, we only got three. They were in the 13-0 bracket. Or the 1250 bracket, one of the one of the quicker ones, which at that time that was pretty fast. Sure. And uh, said, you know, we need you to run with us. If you don't, we don't have a bracket. And I'm going four cars. All I got to do is make it to the semis. Okay. Yeah, that's sold. So I said, let me make my time run. I'll I'll be right back. Well, I always made my time run without turning the nitrous on because I just wanted to make sure the car was okay. So I run the thing down the track and it ran. I don't remember whatever it ran, thirteen eighty or something like that. And again, I mean that was pretty fast back in those days for a car that you drove to work every day. Yes, it is. And so I come back up, I get in line, and as I'm pulling up, the guys are putting their helmets on and getting ready to go. So I never even got out of the car. Right, I just pull up and it's like, okay, rip it up, pull out, do the burnout, da da da, pull up, stage went, and the car went. <laughs> to turn the nitrous bottle on. Oh no. Do you, you? And while I'm watching this guy go, I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> and that was uh, that was my track. I'm almost over it. I'm almost over. No, you're not. You but, wake uh, up in that, the middle of the that night. That would have been my track championship. And yeah, live and learn. Right, exactly. Now you wake up in the middle of the night thinking this about car, that. This car went to the old Tucson Dragway the week after I bought it, and uh, it, yeah. It, Big, big part of my it's it's funny now because it's still there. Uh, Brian was in town whatever a year or two ago I think he was doing a either hoopty challenge or one of his deals that he does out here at Tucson at the new place, and he went out and searched it out just because his mission is to go to every drag strip ever. Yes, even if it's a mall now, you know he just wants to go stand in the middle of the mall and go. This used to be a drag strip, uh, so he went out there and uh, took a couple of pictures and checked the place out too. But there's still today there's enough there to to recognize and. If you go to Google Earth and and search old Tucson Dragway, it'll take you to it today. 
Very cool. Uh, our Daryl Gwynn has spearheaded a project down here to get a monument of some sort put on the site of Miami Hollywood Speedway, which is, in fact, an outdoor mall. And uh, they're working on doing that, so it's cool. And we've got something kind of going on in the comments section, listeners putting their first E.T., First drag racing ET up in the comment section. Uh, don't know who this is exactly, just because they're in our Facebook group and those don't show. But first pass at Palmdale in my '79 Volkswagen Rabbit, twenty point one nine at fifty six miles per hour. And we got uh, Jeff says nineteen point two. So it sounds like my nineteen eleven has got everybody beat. That's right, suckers. Woo. <laughs> Heiner says he's coming to your part of the country uh, with the showdown car. They're going to be doing some testing out there in the near future. So be on the Awesome. Tell him to look me up when he gets down here. It'll be, uh, I'll bring mine out and do some testing. Well, there you I go. Need to, uh, I need to make some runs. You know, I mean, obviously I'm only going to run, you know, park throttle just because the car doesn't have a roll bar in it. I'm not allowed to go very fast. But right. uh, I would like to do, you know, maybe a couple of burnouts and some launches. So. Makes perfect sense. All right, here's a, a legit question from Top Fuel 173. Uh, do you guys ever think NHRA will go eighth mile racing? And I assume he means full time, and that's it because there's uh, still there's an eighth mile racing in NHRA right now. But um, what do you think? I hope not. Uh, I don't think so. I haven't heard any talk about that. I think that uh, you know, as long as the performance of the car stays where it is now, uh, I don't think that there's a need. I think that uh, all the tracks that we raced at are plenty long enough to get the car safely stopped. I think the, the speeds that they're traversing right now with the rules package that's in place has got uh, everybody kind of in a happy place. You know, the competition is, has never been uh, at a higher level than it is right now. So uh, my answer to that is, is I hope not, and I don't foresee it. I don't, uh, I've never heard anybody even casually mention, you know, are we going to have to do this something? Well, thank goodness for that. I've had a little bit of a running feud going with the 8th Mile Racers in my area uh, because our uh, local facility, formerly Moroso Motorsports Park and now Palm Beach International Raceway, it's an IHRA-sanctioned track for the moment, but it's a great all-concrete quarter-mile facility with everything and plenty of shutdown and everything, except somehow, for whatever reason, the local racers have been... Uh, confused into thinking that running eighth mile is better and they forego the quarter mile and they're on the track for, you know, they accelerate to the eighth mile and then they just lift and coast. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you doing this? You have the facility. You only run eighth mile when you don't have the facility or you're trying to run 4,000 cars. And there's a reason to run eighth mile, but a lot of them just love it. Uh, especially the junior dragster kids, because that's all they've ever run is eighth mile. And they don't want to change the picture. They don't want to relearn what they already know. Um, but recently I've started to see some posts with eighth mile racers who got to run a quarter mile and they love the thrill of the speed. So maybe it's just like a, a style thing, you know, how things go and come. And, um, but for me, quarter mile is, is uh, or thousand foot. If we're talking nitro cars, Eighth mile is just an incomplete feeling. That's all. It's just an incomplete feeling. They're not rolling just enough yet. And that, for me, like radio versus the world, like I don't know if I want to see those cars go further than the eighth mile. They weigh 3,000 pounds, and they're going 350s in the eighth, and that's crazy. But it's just over too fast for me, eighth mile. Uh, and I don't, I don't really agree with that. I don't disagree with it, but I just – you know, I, I think it's the thrill of competition. 
You know, I know guys that like eighth mile for no other reason than it's easier on equipment. You know, how many cars do you see blow up in the first eighth mile versus the second eighth mile? Absolutely. Um, you know, if you're on a quick turnaround, you you know, you don't get anything nearly as hot. You're not wearing it out as much. You don't have to use the parachute. You don't have to. And, um, you know, there are, there are a lot of upsides. And if people are coming out to compete, come on. I don't care if it's eighth mile, quarter mile, thousand feet, or just ending mile for that matter. If you want to come out and compete, come out and compete. We'll find a spot for you. And I also think that's the beauty of NHRA is that there is something for everyone, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your comfort level, whatever your performance level is, we'll find a place for you to compete. And, you know, one thing we talked about at the nationals all the time, you know, some of the tracks that we're talking about now, the old Tucson dragway did hold host an AHRA and then ADRA national event uh, way, way, way back when, but uh, you know, even the modern day, the NHRA tracks, I think aside from Pomona, I believe every track on the schedule is open on a regular basis to come out and run your street car, you know, run out, whether it's test and tune, whether it's grudge night, whether it's just, you know, Friday night practice, that you can actually come out and there's no other major league sport in the world that does that. You know, you can't take your, you can't take your, you know, Sunday beer league softball team and go to Yankee stadium when the Yankees are out of town. No. It, and you know, you can't take your buddies and go, you know, blast the ball around Lucas oil stadium. You know, if you like to go out and play football on Saturday, they're not going to let you in there just because the, the uh, Colts are playing some or the, um, because the team's playing someplace else that way. I can't believe I can't think of the Indiana football team. You said it. The Indianapolis Colts. Oh, yeah, that's right. They moved from Baltimore to Indianapolis. I, somehow I had them moving out of Indianapolis. But uh, anyway. They're just, irrelevant but, anyway, Alan. It's all about the Dolphins this year, don't you know? Oh, I guess I didn't. Five I, in uh, a row, I have not been watching. I have not been watching a whole lot of football. So, uh, But I just think that, you know, that fact that, you know, you can go if you live in Las Vegas, check them out, you know, whatever their schedule is. And obviously, you know, the 2020 has been weird. But if you live in Las Vegas, you have an opportunity to go drive down the same racetrack that Antron Brown and Steve Torrance just ran the top fuel final on, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, if you live in Dallas, you have a chance to go out there the same place where the first ever four second run was made in top fuel all those years ago. But you can go compete in the same stadium on the same field as what the pros do. And that's something that, you know, nobody else, nobody else, no other major league sport opens up their stadiums to the public. And I think it's cool when we do the, the summit ET national championship, uh, you know, every year when we've done it Pomona in the past, we did it in uh, Vegas this year. And one of the first things I ask is, you know, how many of you have never been to a national event racetrack? And the number of hands go up is, is incredible to me, you know, but a lot of people that have their local track and that's where they go and that's where they compete. And, you know, they just kind of live in that bubble. But if that's what makes them happy, that's where they compete. And that's where they feel comfortable. That's wonderful. But that's another thing that makes that project so great. It's an opportunity for them to come out and be in a major league stadium and play on the same field as the pros do. Nobody does that with anything correct. It's great. It's great stuff. And uh, it's one of our, you know, if we could turn racers into fans and fans into racers uh, a little more often would be great because there are a lot of people that are out there in the stands that would love to build their Saturday nights around a little bracket program at their local track if they just did it one time. Hey, Mike Heiner says you're going to do that test side by side, just so you know. Okay. I want to get that out there side by side. He has a question mark, but I'm going to put a, a period at the end of it, like your car, their car, side by side on the starting line at uh, Tucson when they test. Let's make it happen. But then again, it all well, goes south. Time. Last time I did this, just for the record, V Gaines was out there with his Pro Stock car, and I had top speed. 
Oh, wow. Very interesting. So he was doing squirts or uh, he was working on the chassis, but hey, there it is. I like it. Yeah, he was 330 foot launches is all he was doing. And he blew, blew his doors off with the mile per hour. But Heiner's is a, a Brown fan. Believe so. it or not, though, he still had low ET. I had top speed. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, first, second, third click, and uh, you know I'm going to the stripe. But yeah, he still had he still had low ET. Eric says uh, I was hoping to have my first run this year. Darn COVID next year at Woodburn or Portland International Raceway. Let's evolve You'll the love Woodburn. Woodburn is a, just a it's a great place, great family facility, and tell them you're new. And they'll be more than happy to take some time and walk you through and show you whatever you need to do. So let's evolve the conversation on that because I like to spend time in this area. So let's say you're just a regular citizen and now is kind of tough because uh, people are unemployed, COVID, whatever. But let's just pretend that's not happening for this conversation because there will be a time when it's not happening and we're getting back to business. And so you formulate your plan now and you would like to be involved at the most basic of levels, but beyond just making some test and tune time runs on a Wednesday night, say, and actually run some bracket races, maybe pursue the Summit ET series, because to me, there's that's a, that's a significant jump. There are lots of people who just run their car down the track or they'll go to a super super Chevy show once a year or they'll go to test and tune and see what their car runs once or twice. To become the weekly points racer, I think that's where you start to get all the benefits of being a drag racer, the friends, the relationships, the fun, the mechanics that know their stuff and that you know that you can trust what they're doing, like really building a network and relationship. So let's say you want to do that. What would be your initial recommendation for what kind of car would you recommend? Would you recommend like building something or would you recommend a six-cylinder Camaro that runs 15 seconds and can go down the street hundreds of times and it's not going to be a problem? Like how would you recommend someone get on the most basic level of Summit ET racing Saturday night, chase points for the first time? Well, if you've never been to the racetrack before, if you just went out there, maybe you went out and watched a couple of times, you go, yeah, this looks like fun. I want to get involved. Do it with your streetcar, whatever you're driving. I don't care if you're driving a pickup. I don't care. I, I don't care if you're driving a food truck. Um, you know, just go out there and do it with your streetcar and see if it's something that you really like to do. You know, there are a lot of people, and it's interesting speaking with Frank Hawley about this and talk to Jack Beckman about it. The number of people that come out to the school that will come out like for a dragster adventure or whatever and go, yeah, okay. I mean, it was fun, but that's, you know, I just don't, that's, that's not me. And so, you know, I wouldn't make a huge investment before you go out and decide it's really something you want to do. And if you've got, you know, just a basic street car, you know, you're going to have to pass a basic tech inspection, make sure the battery's tied down, make sure your seatbelts are good. Make, you know, if it's a modern day street car, you're going to be fine. Just go out there and then, you know, they'll look the thing over and make sure that, you know, all the tires bolted on tight. Nothing's running out of the bottom of it is basically what you need to do. And then go make a few runs and start getting comfortable. Uh, I know our track does out here. I know a lot of tracks that do. I don't know that every track does, but I would contact them, um, you know, go on their Facebook page or even call them and say, hey, look, I'm new. I want to come out. Is there somebody that can kind of show me the rope? Somebody that can just kind of help me walk through this, you know, a couple of times. I don't know anything about it. Uh, my local track does, you know, they will hook you up with basically a track ambassador 
that will take you out and show you how everything works and walk you through your first couple of runs and, you know, teach how to read the time slip and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you have got a performance car of any type and you've done any modifications to it, that's another, and, you know, I can only speak for local, but there are a couple of speed shops here in town, you know, Don's Hot Rod Shop, which is just a few blocks from me, uh, is a place that I've been buying stuff since I was 16 years old. And if you go in there and go, hey, even, you know, you sold me a K&N filter for my car. You sold me a catback exhaust system for my car. I want to go out to the racetrack this weekend. Will you help me? Certainly they will. Everybody in there is a racer. As a matter of fact, Donnie runs a hot rod shop, one of the program Saturday nighter uh, out here at Tucson Dragway. And, if, you know, tell them, hey, I'm coming out there. I just, you know, want a little help, want a little guidance, and they'll be happy to. If you don't have that, go to the racetrack, find somebody who's got a car similar to yours, or somebody who's running in a class, you know, the same class basically that you are, and go over and introduce yourself. You know, I don't know very many racers. There's, you know, like, you know, there's there's a few in every pile, right? But for the most part, if somebody walks up and says, "Hey, I'm new, can you help me? I, you know, need a little advice or need a little," uh, people will be more than happy to help. You know, it's the same mentality that when you see racers that are out there for a long time and a guy blows up the transmission, or by the time they tow the car back to the trailer. There's five guys standing there with wrenches ready to help change the transmission so we can make the next round. And, you know, you got to start somewhere, and that's a good place to start. But I would reach out to my local track and say, hey, look, you know, do you have a track ambassador? Do you have a newcomer program? Do you have something uh, just to walk me through? Because if you pull up the starting line the first time, you know, you don't know exactly where to stop for the burnout. You drive through the beams and back up three times on a stage, and we've all seen it. Yes. And somebody's yelling at you, and like, what the hell's wrong with you? And get over here, Dad. You're going to get turned off the experience pretty quick. Absolutely. But if you've got somebody that'll come up and walk you through and take you through it, then, you know, that's really what you need. And then just make some runs. And, you know, even if your car is running 19 seconds, it doesn't matter. If you decide, hey, this is kind of cool. This is fun. How do I make my car run 18 seconds? Well, you're hooked. (laughs) Because at some point, your car will be running nine seconds. How do I make it run eight seconds? And, uh, you know, that's, that's what drag racing does to you. But you know, just get out and try it and get started. You know, I know guys, guys that I grew up with that have gone out and, you know, driven down the racetrack five times and gone, nah, not me, just think. But, you know, they work on cars. They help other people with cars. They, you know, there's a reason that they have crew chiefs out there because not everybody's going to be a driver, but you still got to have, you know, there are still places for you in the sport if you want to be involved and, and you want to do that. It, it certainly can happen. Yeah, for me, the, some of the most fun I've had is in street cars because you drive in and you drive out and you got some place to hang out the whole time. You're chilling by your car, except, oh, it's time for us to go race. Let's go race. Okay, I won. That's great. Come out, hang out with your friends and the network that you build. Like, I still rely on my network now. Uh, I, I hear about people, and I experience this, trying to, you know, they can't find an honest mechanic. You know, there's so many commercials about that, like, oh, you know, my mechanic is lying to me. And, you know, maybe that's a thing or maybe it's not a thing anymore. I don't know. But I got five good quality mechanics that I can go to and rely upon them, and I know them, and they know me, and they're trustworthy, and they're trusted, and they know that I've helped them, and they'll help me because of our relationship built around drag racing. When I moved to Washington, D.C. to work at XM, where we first met, I had my first ever, I don't know anybody, experience. (laughs) And it was, uh, if I was going to stay there longer, I was going to go start hanging out at that Manassas drag strip to build some relationships where people, we have something in common, and I can see what they're all about and build trust. Um, 
some of my most fun experiences have been with a streetcar or a truck, just rolling in and giving my best uh, as best as I can. Let's see. James says, streetcar takeover was the first time for myself. Ran a quarter-mile major league venue. Loved every second of it. Being in, uh, at and competing at those events at Bristol and ZMAX. Let's talk about big-time events, right? Huge tower. Racing your car. Get some great pictures. What's better than that? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, you know, if you're picture ZMAX, that's almost exactly what the old Tucson dragway looked like. <laughs> have, you ever been in, have you ever been in a bathroom at ZMAX? Yes. That's bigger than the tower I had at the old Tucson dragway. You know, I, I love the bathroom at ZMAX, people, by the way. That family bathroom is my favorite place. I, I think more people sit in the ZMAX suite next to us than would fit in the grandstand at the old Tucson dragway. It's wow. pretty close. Uh, but, you know, you got to start someplace. And you know, that's kind of where my love of the sport came from. One of the things that I think we really miss out on these days, and it's a shame, is the era of race cars that need next to no maintenance and enclosed trailers. You know, when I was a kid, when we would go to the gas station, and the vast majority of them back then were still full service when I was really young. The self-service thing kind of came in, you know, gas crunch in the early 70s and that kind of thing. And then you know, everybody could save, you know, three cents a gallon if you pump your own gas. And that seemed like a big deal when gas was, oh, my God, 75 cents a gallon. is going out crazy. But the number of gas stations that had a race car, where there was a drag yes. car, whether it was a circle track dirt car, which we had a pretty thriving circle track down here as well. And so, you know, when we pull up and they'd be checking the oil and doing the stuff in the car, you know, I'm the kid going, ooh, can I go look at the car? And then, you know, I want to go see it run. And that was a personal connection. Even when I was, you know, like at this point, I probably was 10 years old or 11 years old. But I could go out to, to the circle track and go, I've seen that car, right? They let me sit in that car, whatever. I was, you know, I, and it, it was a personal connection. And there were plenty of people that had drag cars as well. So when I would go out to the drag strip, you know, when, when I started going out there when I was 13, 14 years old, and it wasn't quite the, you know, wide-eyed little bitty kid that I used to be. But it was still something to be able to go, I know that guy. And if I'd walk over in the pits and go, you know, hey, you know, my, my mom gets gas at your station. Well, all of a sudden we're friends. Like I said, you know, there's there's always a, get away from me, kid, you're bothering me. But in drag racing, the vast majority, you go, you know, hey, I don't, you know, I'm the, you know, my mom comes in. There, oh, yeah. Hey, how you doing, kid? You know, you want to sit in the car kind of thing. And that's one of the things that, you know, to this day, there's some of the teams that will still. You know, I think Scott Palmer is a perfect example, even though he hadn't been a whole lot on tour. You know, I, I've never seen when they're not in mad thrash mode. I don't think you can walk up to Scott Palmer's pit as a 10 year old. Go, can I sit in your car and be told no? Um, you know, I've put I've put more people in cars. It's funny. You know, I was, it, it's I'm grateful for the position that I'm in. You know, the number of times when whether you're in the back of the stage lanes or hanging out someplace and, you know, there's there's some kid that's at a pro stock car doing this, looking through the window. And I walk over and open the door and they're like, oh, no. No, you want to sit in it? And I mean, I don't care whose car it is. It, you know, it, nobody tells me no. <laughs> so, and you know, the kid looks around and says, like, "Oh man, help him in. You know, sit down." And it's like, "Okay, look, you know, this is for the line lock. This is the shifter. This is the radio button here. That's for the parachute. Don't pull that. Um, <laughs> and just like, let him sit. And, and if if you can set the hook. And one of the things that I really remember, Steve Torrance won English Town, whenever. Um, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, was it even that long? Um, and there was a, a young lady, and I mean, you know, I don't know, 10 maybe, that was in the winter circle when they're standing there. And she's standing there kind of peering over the top of it. 
And I walked by the truck and I said, Steve, I want to borrow your car. And he's like, yeah, fine, whatever. And I went over and I said, do you want to sit in it? And I mean, she looked at her mom with her eyes about this big. Pick her up, put her in, sit her down in the seat. She's sitting there. I mean, she's like, hold on the wheel, has to do this, has to go over the steering wheel. But then she came up to me, uh, whatever last year was, we were in English town. She said, I don't know if you remember me, but. And she had gotten a junior car and was getting ready to graduate and to get into bigger cars. And and she told me then, she said, you know, that's still the coolest thing I ever did was sit in this car. And I well, you can't anymore because you're too big now. You know, she had grown up and Steve is still. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> but and her parents are like just, looking at you, know, you like he's I the think, guy, huh? He's the guy. But who I think caused... things, like that are, things like that are huge. And, you know, for the youngsters that are out there to have an opportunity. And the beauty of it now is that when you've got JR, you've got Leah, you've got Eric, you've got Sean, you've got Chris McGahey, uh, you've got Derek Kramer, you got, you know, how long do you want to go down the list? Right. That were junior kids. And remember when they were the little kid at the ropes going, and somebody went, hey, kid, you want to come over and see this thing closer? You want to sit in? You want to? They remember that. And they know now when they're seeing the kid out there, they remember that. And if they got an opportunity to give that back, they're all pretty damn good about it. You know, you mentioned something a little bit earlier that uh, sparked with me a little bit. The enclosed trailer era in many ways damaged the sports promotion because a lot of the sports promotion was exactly what you said. You'd see cars on open trailers. I know the way my dad, when he moved down from New Jersey to South Florida, the way he found the track the first time was he was fishing and he saw a 68 Camaro on the back of an open trailer going out towards the Everglades and was like, whoa, where's that guy going? What? What? There's nothing out there, right? Well, let me pack up my stuff and follow him. And he chased him down and found the track. And You'd see race cars going places, and now you see enclosed trailers going places, and who knows what's in them. You could speculate it's a race car, it's a classic car, it's a lawnmower. You just don't know. Now, I'm not saying I want to give up my enclosed trailer place to hang out at the track, but it's just But everybody else should. Yes. Well, exactly. But everybody else. Yeah, I need the comfort, Alan. But they can do their part to promote the sport. I'm already doing my part to promote the sport, and that's this. What are they doing? Let's do something. And you don't want to, like, logo up your enclosed trailer like, hey, valuable race car inside here, because then there's another uh, negative to that, obviously. Um, So it's just it's kind of a bummer because I agree. You used to see race cars on trailers all over the place. And now it's uh, it's more anonymous. And it just, you know, it just means that we've got to find another way to reach out. And if you know, now we also have a tool that we didn't have back then. You know, the the fact you mentioned earlier, you know, you get a hold of your friends like this these days. And so let's figure out how to get into that, whether it's iRacing, um, you know, whether it's whether it's videos on NHRA's Facebook page, whether it's whatever it is. Um, you know, we just need to figure out a way to get the word out that, hey, there's something cool going on if you want to come see it. And especially if you're in a place where there's something cool going on on a weekly or bi-weekly basis to get you know people into the mentality of, Okay, yeah, this weekend we got this, or that weekend is something, or this. And then the next time they got no weekend, or weekend with nothing, to go, you know, what was that car thing we keep? Maybe maybe we could check that out. We got nothing else to do this weekend. And, and, you know, give us a shot. How many times have you and I had the conversation? If you've never been to a national event, or if you haven't been to one in 20 years, give us a shot. Come out one time, see the show, and decide whether or not it's something you like. And I hope. Hope, hope, hope that that's something that NHRA is going to work with next year when we go to 17 of the events now that we know 
and I think this is a conversation we had last week too, or maybe it was two weeks ago, that we know we're going to have some Friday night qualifying shows, I believe 17 of them. And I'm assuming that it's going to be a slightly um, discounted ticket price because there's one event, you know, one qualifying session set or two. But I hope that some of the tracks that get on the, you know, first time bandwagon, never been to the drags before, Saturday night, come out for two hours, two hours, and see what we got. Watch the pro session from pro mod to motorcycle to pro stock to nitro. We can get all that done in two hours, two and a half hours. And I think that should be a big promotion. Never been to the drags before. Give us two hours on Friday night. Let us show you what it's all about. And uh, let's see if we can get some of those first timers to come out in the track and get them hooked. I know doing those uh, walking tours that we did, uh, you know, prior to COVID, um, I would ask for a show of hands and there would always be a percentage who had never been to this deal before. Like, how many of you have no idea what you're here to see? Like, you just you 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 came to an event that you think is going to be cool, but you really don't know what's about to happen. And you know, they would raise their hands, and those people are out there, and they can be gotten. They are looking for fun and interesting things at all times, and I think we're a fun and interesting thing. Oh, Monica says that you took your kiddo into the pits and talked to him about the works of a top fuel dragster and funny car. That was the best thing in my kid's world. Fantastic. Fantastic memory for him. Thank you so much for that, Alan. So you, good job, Alan. You got one. You're welcome. And and I just, you know, I've, I've had people reach out to me via email from time to time. And there's been times when there's just like somebody sitting at the ropes, you know. And, you know, obviously you can't take 20 people into somebody's hall. No. But if there's a kid sitting there that's like really curious, really, then I'm, I'm not opposed to drafting him and taking him inside and, and you know, just kind of showing them around or showing them kind of stuff, and it's it's cool. It's it's amazing to me the number of people out there, and I don't know if it's because so many of them are parents themselves, or if it's because they remember being the kid. But uh, the deal with the army trailer one time, however many years ago it was, when there was a kid that was watching, and and uh, actually I think he was in, it was at nitro school. He came to me after nitro school, and was asking some pretty intelligent questions. And the kid's like eleven or twelve years old, and I said. You got a minute? And we walked over into the army trailer and Neil was in there. And as soon as I walked in, I said, Hey, Neil, you know, this kid, you know, had a question once in a while. And he's like, Oh, well, come here, let me show you. And, you know, like dragging stuff out of cabinets and doing. Um, and I think, you know, there's just so much of that that happens out there. And, you know, one of the reasons that, that I give an email address every, every week, you know, you got a question, you got a comment, shoot it to me. Um, I'll see if I can find you an answer. I got a pretty good Rolodex. If I don't know the answer, then I, you know, good chance that I could find it. Or, you know, there have been a number of times when somebody's like, hey, I'm going to be at the race in Topeka. You know, would it be possible to meet and say hi and I'd like to ask you something or I'd like to, you know, get a better understanding of something? If I could put it into my schedule, I'm more than happy to do it. There you go. Michael Heiner is on his way, says he'll let you know when they're heading out that way. And this has been a great conversation, Alan. You know, not every week is like a big breaking news week, or maybe they're just waiting for us to clear the airwaves to announce the big breaking news, in which case, <laughs> which they do all the time. But come on now, like it, it happens too much. We're just going to do it next week. Simple as that. We're just going to be back next week. You can't stop us. WFO is running wild, and uh, we'll do it. But this has been a fun conversation uh, to to find out how we got here, right? It's not all the major leagues. There's a grassroots level to this sport, and really the sport needs new sportsman racers, people who go and kind of get into that flow and start climbing up the ladder and climb higher and higher and 
who knows, you might end up in pro stock in 10, 15 years if you really like it or you become a track champion at your local track. I love talking about that stuff as well. Any final thoughts before we uh, let you bounce on out of here and go play with that rickshaw? Nah, just one thing. Uh, I've got a, I did a new Reinhardt Reveals this week that I believe is going to hit the NHRA Facebook page sometime this afternoon. And it's an inside look at torque converters. Get it? Inside. Yeah. Um, Neil Champ sent me one. Um, you know, reached out and said, hey, I'd like to do this. And he said, give me an address. Um, so I got a legitimate pro mod bolt together, together torque converter and went, let's see what it's all about. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a fairly basic thing. But for those, you know, I think torque converters to a lot of people are still kind of a black magic or black science because for all of those years, I mean, for 30 years, I didn't know what was inside there. No. Magic. Right? It's like, there's something's wrong with your torque converter. How do you know? Oh, because he said so. And okay, well, you know, send this one back and get another one or do whatever. But uh, I found it I found it pretty interesting when I was doing a little research for the project. And uh, it should be on NHRA's Facebook page. I believe this afternoon. I don't know exactly when. Just uh, look for Reinhardt Reveals. It'll be up there. Can't wait to watch. You know, Marty comes on Performance TV a fair amount. And every time, like, I'm trying to expand my knowledge. And I tell you exactly, like, okay, come on. This is black magic, man. What's going on in there? And so he'll, like, say, okay, this does this. And then this does this. And then this goes this way. And it forms a hydro lock or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, thank you for the explanation. I still don't understand it. And I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy most of the time. So next time, okay, do it again, Marty. And he's like, okay, this and this and this and this. And they are, speaking of, of Neil Chance uh, racing converters, like talk about cutting edge stuff. They're, they're trying to bring the torque converter into higher and higher levels of horsepower. And uh, it's pretty amazing what they have done. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the Reinhardt reports. Yeah, I, and I, I appreciate what they did. But, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of great converter companies out there. You know, Hughes Performance, you're in Arizona, does a lot of stuff. FDI, which is, uh, you know, Paul's, uh, Paul's company that does a lot of stuff out there. there. There's a lot of them out there. I appreciate Neil sending me the one, but uh, I don't want to make it sound like they're the only ones that can make a race converter. Absolutely. No, well, there's a lot of companies, but, um, hey, they sent you something, and that's good. Trying to <laughs> trying to expand the knowledge of the sport. Like, not everybody, they don't have to do that. Right. It's uh, and that's what's appreciated. All right, Alan. Very good. Appreciate it. Once again, folks, the rickshaw is for sale. If you want an amazing car for a reasonable price, contact Alan, announcer at NHRA.com and uh, mention WFO so I can work him for a cut. Alan, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Joe, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. There he goes. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, with us here on WFO Radio and follow him on Twitter at NHRA Reinhardt. All right, I got a bunch of comments in the comment section. I'm going to get back to them momentarily. Uh, we've been going for a little over an hour. I want to remind everybody of the big news at the start of the show. Wednesday, Jody Lang, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Jody's got a great gig, and he's got to, he's got to work. And so what are, are we willing to move our showtime to have a world champion in the Stock Eliminator class of the Lucas Oil Series? The answer is yes. I will move the showtime. Maybe that will be... Record numbers. Maybe every stock eliminator racer on the planet is going to log on to see what Jody does or does not say. Who knows? And it will turn out to be a really good thing. So, yes, 6.30 p.m. Watch. Uh, get the WFO Radio app. Enable push notifications or follow us on social. You do not have to worry about missing out on the shows. We will let you know. And if you do miss out, they are all on WFORadio.com. Hopefully everyone has noticed that, that in the WFO Radio app, and on the website, which, by the way, is featured right now on the front page of NHRA.com. Oh, we're no longer the top story. 
This is preposterous. WFO Radio podcast Angie Smith, who was on the show last week and talked about the Denso 200 Mile Per Hour Club and their program and the Harley thing, everything. Angie was great. We are the second story on NHRA.com. So do me a solid and go to NHRA.com and share that story. So Phil Burgess thinks we're great and we've got a big following. But the story, the top story, we might as well read it. Justin Ashley, strutmasters.com, extends a sponsorship of Top Fuel Rising Star Justin Ashley. Well, of course. Who would not extend their relationship with Justin Ashley with as good as this kid has been? Like, there's a thing. Like, you got to, if Justin Ashley can't make it in drag racing the way he's been driving and running, then we got problems. He's doing a good job. I am thankful for the support of Chip Lofton and Strutmasters.com. Continue on the side of our team. Ashley said they have been with us from the beginning and uh, wouldn't be in the place where we are today without them. It was great to get our first win and collect Rookie of the Year status uh, together last season. There are a lot of great things in store for this team in 2021, and I'm proud to be representing Strutmasters.com on and off the track, says Justin, who has been on this show many, many times. And the whole genesis of the pizza bet was on this show between TJ and himself in one of our happy hour shows, and it was really great. Uh, So go on to the website and check it out. Um, NHRA.com and share that Angie show because it was great. Angie was great. I had people who are not drag racing fans watch that show and say that they were uh, enthusiastic. They were enthusiastic about seeing her and they knew her. Is she the racer? It's like, yeah, she's the racer. So let's see what else people have said. Of course, our sponsors, let me mention them before we get to it. And all you folks that are still on there, hang to the end. Thank to the end. These people, they make it possible. Like Marvin Rodak. You know, I, I'm drinking the coffee, but this is the one. This is my favorite thing that they have. Better than the coffee for me. This is the Habanero Endorphin Booster Hot Sauce. It's hot, but not too hot. It's got so much flavor, as you can see by all the goodness that collects on the inside of the bottle. When these things are empty, I feel badly about throwing them away. And so what I do is like I fill it up and shake it out and use it in some sort of cooking that I'm doing. This, I think, is the best thing. The Habanero Endorphin Booster Hot Sauce. Now, Bobby Graham likes the tonsil tickler and all the other hot sauces. But uh, 817-924-6821. Use him as one of your Christmas gift suppliers, and that'll make me very happy. Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed. And if you really want to find out what they're all about, go to Hidden Horsepower on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and listen to Judd. He's the co-founder, and you'll hear what he's about. And all you young kids out there, there's a lot worse things you can do than play with cars and machining for a living. There's so many worse things you can do. And this one, like once you know it, you know it, and you're in the industry, and like the confidence that comes along with that, so much better than podcasting. Total Seal Piston Rings. The leader in ring seal technology, TotalSeal.com. Matt Hartford and Keith Jones. We do the podcast so that people will be entertained and thus learn about the technology that they offer. And one of the things that everybody says, uh, the technology is through the roof. They do rings for stock eliminator cars. They do rings for Formula One cars. They're advancing the technology of ring seal. So if you're going to build a bracket engine, TotalSeal.com. If you're going to build a pro stock engine, TotalSeal.com. It's that simple. Uh, We really appreciate them. And Nitro Fish Racing. All their gear 
They've given us a promo code. WFO20 is the promo code for Nitro Fish Racing. All the gear, like if you want your Erica Enders World Champion gear, you get 20% off. Use the promo code WFO20. And they're shipping this stuff out uh, all around the uh, country, all around the world. So check them out. Now, I did mention the face coverings. Talked about it on the Ignition Show. Everybody knows this is becoming important now, again. It's becoming important now, again. Like, wearing one of these is compliance, but it's also becoming important now, again. At least where I am. And so, for 10 bucks, you get to promote WFO Radio. You get the face covering, and you get some WFO Radio stickers to go along with it. Go to WFORadio.com, pick them up, get them. And on there, you can figure out how to get some WFO Radio stickers. I mentioned Erica. She's on the show on Thursday. Erica Enders, four-time and back-to-back twice. Camping World Drag Racing Pro Stock World Champion. Erica going to be on the show, uh, seen here with Courtney, and it is going to be great. Really appreciate that. An update on the Lagana Strong Tree. Spoke with Jeff, who made it, and since, like, I'm texting with Dominic yesterday. We're talking Yankees. It's like a totally different world. Uh, what we're going to do with this is we're going to donate it to, we're going to send it to Dominic. And so I appreciate Jeff for those who are wondering about that. And let's get into some final comments and see what the final comments are on the show. Final comments, WFORadio.com. Ones I did not get to. Let's see. This guy agrees with what I said about the enclosed trailers. Got to always be reaching out. The local track operator, like one of my secret dreams was to run a drag strip. Secret dream. Now, that secret dream is never going to happen because I live too far away from drag strips and I'm not willing to move to where there is a drag strip. And I'm sure drag strip operators will tell me that it's a futile exercise because there are very few drag strip operators that I talk to that say, man, we're killing it. Now, maybe they're not saying so, or, but I really think there needs to be marketing done. Everybody starts out with the story about hearing the radio ads. I know there was no digital marketing back then, but you've got to do something. That's all I'm saying. Joe Costello on WFO has been advocating this for over 10 years. Local tracks do not use all the tools at their disposal. Simple as that. One of the best tools at your disposal is your local racers. And the racing, the tracks that I've been around, uh, very often there is an adversarial relationship between the local racers and the truck operators. That cannot happen. Let's see what Kev says. I was at Bakersfield for the March meet and got uh, to sit in the Fighting Irish Nostalgia fuel car. They shut the body down and said, get out through the roof. Proper cool moment. Yes, Kev, that is very cool moment. Uh, very exciting. Doug Gordon lowered the body of his alcohol funny car on me once, and I freaked out. I did a Tony Stewart in there. No thanks, man. Now, I could, I could deal with it. It wasn't like when I was in the MRI machine, which is a totally different deal. And you got to listen to the Ignition Show to hear about that. We had a great Ignition Show this week. You definitely need to check it out. Some talk about Lewis Hamilton. But more importantly, our own champion for the WFO Radio Fantasy League has earned his way on that trophy back there. His name, Hockey Kid, will be on the show. Kid's 20 years old, has been listening to WFO since he was 10. Half his life spent listening to WFO, and he still listens, so it can't be that bad. Monica, Alan took my kill. We got that one already. Jeff, we had a handicapped lady that would come out and watch us every division race. We sat her in the car and started it up. She was so happy she was even crying. It's kind of like me when Hartford started up the pro stock car. I started to weep, just weeping like a child. 
doing nice things for people that will make them happy. What a concept. Taking the opportunity to do something that will make someone feel good about you, the moment, and the experience. Maybe this is something we can do more often with our lives. Wouldn't that be great? And fortunately, the drag racers I know are all about that. Let's see. This is Heiner again. I always get behind on the comments. I always get behind. Monica, great show today. Great way to take a break during the day. Yes, take a break. Blow it off, whatever it is, WFO, especially tomorrow, 630. You have to wear a mask. Might as well be done with a cool one. Exactly. And everyone should be. The numbers are skyrocketing. You should all know this by now. Uh, this was an awesome show. Thank you, Jim. Speaking of P, I love when people know Miami Hollywood. We did that Miami Hollywood happy hour. That's still up on YouTube. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, all the happy hours, they're all there. The Selzy Beer with Selzy happy hour, they're all there. There's a playlist called the happy hour. Friday Cocktails and Happy Hour. The one with Daryl Gwynn and Paul Wunderlich from Miami Hollywood. We talked about the birth of the track and how it came about and uh, showed videos and had a lot of people. Hector Arana, who made his first runs there. So many people. Um, That was a great one. I'm real proud of it. We're going to do another one uh, sometime soon. Uh, That was a great Hidden Horsepower show. Kind of unexpected. Really? Why didn't you expect it, Jeff? What's, What's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? No, I get it. You're thinking this is not a big-name engine builder. He's not a celebrity, and that's the, that's the magic of it. That's the magic. You don't have to have a big name. It doesn't all have to be John Force uh, every single time, although we love John Force. There's a million great stories in the world of drag racing. Gary from Indiana says, keep up all the great content. I go way back to your first show on XM Radio where you took over for Rainbow J. Wow, Gary, that is a blast from the past. 2004. 2004. Really, 2003 and a half. And then 2004, I was full-time hired. Did a show on NASCAR radio called Wide Open. On NASCAR radio, Rainbow J was my first producer. That's where the WFO Radio Fantasy League was originally created. Then NASCAR radio switched up to Sirius. And that uh, took NASCAR radio away from us. And the XM execs came. They were like, what are we going to do? Oh, my God, we're losing all the racing fans. And I said, listen, guys, you have to remain calm. There are other forms of motorsport out there, you know, like NHRA drag racing, for instance, where the drivers are more interesting and they go over 100 miles per hour faster. Let's do a show about that. Let's do a show about Formula One. And that's how I met Alan Reinhardt, like. Personally, I knew Alan as a, you know, drag racing celebrity prior to that from the grandstands. But doing this, basically this show to a national audience on XM, on their XM Sports Nation uh, channel. Tuesday was NHRA Tuesday. Wednesday, Mike King from the IMS Radio Network. And then Thursday was Bob Varsha. Talked to Formula One, educated me about Formula One. Bob, who is, uh, from what I gather on Facebook, uh, recovering nicely from his own uh, medical scare. And that's just greatness. And, you know, of course, I'm a drag racer. So where do I end up? I end up doing drag racing more often than not. I still underserved. And in the wake of that show, how many shows are there now? How many shows are there now talking about drag racing? You know, I think that's really great. Gary, thank you so much. And if you love that show, the Ignition Show is pretty much the remnant of that, where we talk about whatever the heck we want Although we did not mention the SpaceX launch, which is, a, a, I feel shame, because the SpaceX launch was amazing. 
and they're going to just start launching, and astronauts going to be going back and forth. We are genuinely in the future. And Scott loves the Ignition Show from this week. And Jeff says, great show, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, let's see. And I guess that's it. And if there's another one, oh, Jody Lang should be awesome. Yeah, Jody Lang is going to be awesome. Automatic transmissions, magic slush box. Yeah, I always heard that about the Power Glide. Um, I love my Power Glides. Let's see. I think it was Mike Dunn that gave a tour of his truck, and they were playing. They were playing playing video games. Something my kids will never forget. Oh yeah, great. It's like you got a three hundred mile per hour car out there, but we love that kids are the guys are playing video games. They're just like us. Daughter met her now husband at Brainerd over ten years ago. I bet that's a great story. I bet that's a fun story. Wasn't in the zoo, was it? See, look at me going to dark places. And uh, there you go. When are you going down to the track in a pro stock car? Yeah, call Hartford. Put that one in his head, right? Put that one in his head. I love it. And I'm not afraid. I've heard it takes like a lot of time to learn how to do a burnout in a pro stock car. I guarantee you I get it in less than six hours. The virtual lock. Yes, it was. It was in the zoo. That's great, Cindy. Listen, I've been out in the zoo, and there's fun stuff in the zoo. And then there's also zooshes, so you got to watch out for them. Beware of the zoosh. They exist. They're infrequent, but they exist. All right, everybody, let's go over the important stuff. Let's go over it. Number one, WFO sponsors. You're going to jump on board, and you're going to use them for your holiday gift giving. Nobody wants a gift card unless it's to Frank Hawley's. Nobody wants coffee unless it's Marvin Rodax. You all on board with that? Good. Thank you, sponsors. Also, thank you, Patreons. The Patreons got a special show on Monday. It's called Monday Motivation, only for them, VIP listeners. This is our VIP listener club. And they pay minimum of five bucks a month to get all the extra stuff. But really, it's just to support the show. My digital marketing instructor was like, you got to sell that, man. You got to sell it. So I'm going to take your face and put it in the hood and say, you you buy this. Somebody got my Jerky Boy reference two weeks ago, and I feel happy about it. Remember, we got E, Thursday, 4 p.m. Wednesday, Jody Lang, 6.30. Going to talk Stock Eliminator with the world champion. Challenge you to that pro stock burnout. Exactly. Jeff wants to get his license. I love it. I love it. And this is it. I want to thank you guys all for spending a little time with me. Share the show. Start a watch party. I know you got a friend who has no no idea that this show exists. Tell them. Simple as that. It'll make me happy. Alan Reinhardt as well. And we'll see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Jody Lang, Stock Eliminator, World Champion. See you then. WFO. WFO! Subscribe to WFO Radio on iTunes. Never miss a show. And don't forget to write a review. W-F-O.